Welcome to At Work in America, sponsored by Paychex. At Work in America digs in behind the headlines and trends to the stories of real people making a difference in the world of work. And now, here are your hosts, Steve Bowes and Trish Steed. Welcome back to the At Work in America show. It is my favorite kind of show that we do here on the podcast. It's time, Trish Steed, for Workplace Movie Hall of Fame. Are you as excited as I am? I'm so excited. These are the most fun. We always enjoy picking movies and then having to watch them sometimes several times before the show. And uh, I'm always surprised at all the little nuggets we find in them. So I'm excited for today. I am too. And we picked a the most recent movie we've ever done on the Workplace Movie Hall of Fame series over the years. It's 2023's biggest movie, the movie everyone talked about, I think, all summer long. Of course, it's Barbie, Trish. We're going to be breaking down the Barbie movie. And I'm pretty sure everybody out there listening to this has probably seen the movie since it was so popular. Um, and so we're going to get into that. And there's a lot to talk about for Barbie. But first, Trish, let's thank our friends at Paychecks. This episode of At Work in America is sponsored by Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. Do you think stress-free payroll isn't possible? Well, think again. Whether you need to simplify your tax filings or streamline your day-to-day pay systems, Paychex makes managing your payroll easier and more profitable. From self-service employee portals to automated processes, Paychex services can save time and money while giving you peace of mind that everything is up-to-date and accurate. Don't miss out on all the benefits of working with Paychex. They are there with open arms and a special offer for new clients, Trish. For a limited time, you can get one year of complimentary digital W-2s so you can focus on growing your business instead of time-consuming payroll tasks. And you can learn more at paychex.com slash A-W-I-A. Of course, terms and conditions apply. So thank you, Paychex. And thanks, folks, for uh, being with us today. It's going to be a fun show. I think so. I, I want a Paychex Barbie. Do you think we could make that happen? Let's put in a request. Yeah, that'd I'm gonna be pretty awesome. I'm going to put in a request with, uh, with our friends there. Wouldn't that be fun? Payroll Barbie? Yeah. Payroll Barbie. I love it. I'm surprised <laughs> some, some uh, enterprising vendor hasn't uh, done that yet. Um, I know. A quick reset on Barbie. Everyone's heard of Barbie. Most people probably have seen it. Barbie this year, Trish, grossed $1.38 billion. Wow. With a B worldwide, making it the biggest film of 2023. Um, it was, I saw it in the theaters myself the first time. I have rewatched it in preparation uh, for this podcast. Um, directed by Greta Gerwig, uh, written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, and starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, among other people, America Ferrara, Will Ferrell, a bunch of others. Um, a fun movie, interesting movie. I, I heard a lot about it before I watched it and was even surprised still, though, by the movie itself the first time I saw it. Um, where do you want to start with Barbie, Trish? Uh, maybe just your initial impressions when you saw it the first time? You know, that's such a good question. The initial time I saw it was like you in the movie theater. I actually went by myself and in a sort of off peak time, because if anyone experienced going with, you know, the huge crowds and everyone dressed like Barbie and everybody wearing the pink, right? Um, I kind of picked a day where I could go and sort of do that. At least it was still a, a pretty full theater, but by myself anyway. And um, 
I will tell you, I think I came out of there really mad because I was a huge Barbie girl growing up in the 70s. And I still have many of my Barbies. I actually collect uh, all of the holiday Barbies. I have all the Barbie ornaments on a whole Barbie Christmas tree every year. So I'm a fan, right? And I just came away initially thinking, oh my goodness, Barbie and Mattel lied to us as women. I will say though that now that I've rewatched it and given it, you know, more than a month to sort of uh, sink in a little bit, I, I did have a much better time rewatching it. And I don't think we were lied to. And I think there's a lot of really interesting um, themes in the movie. And that's what I'm hoping we talk about today is not sort of that initial like gut reaction that people either like love it or hate it, but some of the nuances because it really is a very smart and well written script, I think, in terms of how men and women, um, you know, act and react to each other in today's society. What did you think? Yeah, I, I, I didn't come away with the thinking we, I was lied to, but then again, I hadn't thought much about Barbie, uh, ever in my life. <laughs> so, um, which is, I guess, part of the, the message here. Um, I think it was a really interesting, I think I appreciated it more on the rewatch, right? Because I was looking at it a little bit more closely and could take a little bit more time watching it, right? When you're streaming it at home, you can stop it and even think about it or rewind, et cetera. But I do think it's a really good uh, from a satirical point of view, right? Because we see you know, the first part of the movie and then again later, Barbie land, right? Where Barbie lives, which mm -hmm. all the Barbies are basically in charge, right? Completely in charge of Barbie land. They have all the important jobs. They, ha they are in total control of their lives. They're not relying on men really for much of anything other than kind of ornamental kind of uh, uh, fixtures in the world. And, um, and they're having a great life and it's wonderful, right? And it ju the juxtaposition, of course, to the real world that we see in the movie and in our real world, right? Where uh, still today, right? Men typically hold most positions of power, make most decisions. Women are struggling for things like pay equity, access to opportunity, equitable health care, uh, on and on and on. And the absurdity, right, of that, right? Because if something's absurd, right, patently absurd, right. And the opposite of it should also be kind of absurd, right? And I think that's kind of what I took away from rewatching this movie. Um, and if if Barbie Land itself is kind of silly and absurd, certainly the patriarchy, right, is the term they use throughout the movie, is also mm -hmm. absurd that it still perpetuates. So that's kind of that's my top level kind of takeaway from the movie. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the reason I kind of felt lied to was as a child again in the 70s which was very much about women's liberation and you know being a feminist and all the things i remember sort of the the story as a young girl that you're told by all the different barbies that you get and and they talk about it early on in the movie right you go away from having baby dolls to having a doll that can be anything and i i still love and stand by the message that yes women can can really be any career they want to be but yet it never talked about either growing up or now in the movie. And what it made me think about is that we're still expected to be a mother. We're still expected to take care of a home. We're still expected to do all the things that maybe in the fifties or before that women were doing in the household. And you can also be a, a 
career, right? So it wasn't that you were trading off any sort of responsibilities with a a partner, a husband, a spouse, whatever, with another person mm-hmm. in your life. And I think that now, if I really look at it, maybe my, you know, our kids are both in college, you and I, and I think now maybe there is more of a sharing of, you know, what the roles will ultimately be when, when they are having families and whatnot. But definitely it was interesting. I mean, I remember my mom telling me I had a, I had a book when I was, I don't know, four or five years old, a little golden book called Susan in the driver's seat. And it's my favorite story ever, but it was about Susan could become a pilot and Susan could become a veterinarian and all the things. So I think this was just Barbie was perpetuating a thought, um, that we wanted young women and young girls to have in the seventies, but it didn't address then what happens to the other role that they had before then. And so it does make you feel a little bit like a failure if you're trying to do it all once you grow up, because you can't have it all. You can't be all things to all people. So I don't know. It just was happy and sad at the same time, if that makes sense as I was watching it. Yeah. A little bit, because I think much like I, I, we think we see the movie as a bit of a satire, but the the real world part of the movie, right? When Ken and Barbie enter the real world and begin to try to navigate their way around it, and some of the the encounters that they have and the obstacles Barbie faces are all too real, right? I mean, um, just for some real world context, Trish, I, I you know, just some statistics, right? There, and these are things we all know, but it's it's. It's jarring to hear them read aloud again or to be reminded of them. So as of as of the beginning of this year, January of this year, Trish, in the Fortune 500, right, the 500 largest companies in the United States uh, ranked by revenue, you want to guess how many, what percentage of the Fortune 500 had a CEO who's a woman? I, I want to say like 15%. You're that's high, Trish. Ten percent, just over ten percent. Actually, the fifteen percent. You're probably actually right about God. It's fifty-three yeah. out of five hundred. I didn't do the math. It's just over ten percent, right? So you're wow. probably almost exactly right. Um, as of this October, Trish, we have one hundred senators in our fine, fine country. Hundred senators. There are. I'm not going to keep quizzing you. There are only twenty-five women out of one hundred senators. Of course, we've never had a woman president. We know this. And uh, the United States Supreme Court, Trish, I thought this one would be interesting to just to pull, right? Uh, Because there's a there's a Supreme Court judge in the Barbie movie, as well as a president, right? right, That are are Barbies. Um, There have been 115 total justices who have served on our Supreme Court in the history of our Supreme Court, which seems like a low number, by the way. Mm -hmm. But only 115. Only six have been women. And currently four serving right now. So I guess right. progress is being made there, but six out of 115 in like 200 years. So these things, and then of course, we've done so much work with our friends at salary.com, especially on pay equity, right? right. And more to come on that. But of course we know pay equity, gender uh, gender pay imbalance is still certainly a real thing in corporate America. Years and years and years after realizing it was a thing, discussing how to try to fight it, discussing how to remedy it, all real things. So- while we can kind of look at the Barbie movie and go, ha, 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 that's funny when when Ken tries to get a job as a doctor or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with no qualifications, right. uh, opportunity is is unequally uh, uh, is unequally distributed still in our country today. It is. But one thing I think that the movie, especially on the rewatch, helped me think about was that 
when you when the movie sort of starts right and she's in barbie land and everything is perfect right and she even says numerous times every day is the perfect day if you're barbie right and so i think that blending what the movie does really well is blending the fact that a perfect day is not a day where every single thing goes right it is not where um the woman gets everything and a man doesn't right it is some sort of a a more thoughtful blended experience for both sexes right because first it started out it was like everything was great when it was barbie world or you know barbie land sorry and then when it was ken world it was all for the men right and so i do think that that was kind of an interesting way to to show yes we do have a ways to go of course and you mentioned lots of statistics there but I do feel like if you look back in, you know, in the last 50 years, we have made really good strides. And I'm hoping that that accelerates the pace, right? The first time that these things are um, being talked about is, is certainly the pace is going to be much slower, right? I, I do feel like Gen Z and now Gen A behind them hopefully will like move the needle a little more quickly than than our generation did. So in that way, I thought it was really thoughtful in the movie that they sort of address both sides of that and how that felt. Um, because when everything was perfect in Barbie land, I don't know if you caught this on the rewatch, when it becomes sort of Ken takes over, right? When Barbie mm-hmm. comes back and, and now it's Ken world, I think they called it. Um, and he looked at her really closely at one scene and he's like, how does it feel? Yeah. Right. Like, and and that's it. I think if women and men can both appreciate how it feels to be the other person, and that's a really challenging thing to do, to ever think about what does it feel to be someone who isn't me, you know? And that goes beyond gender, of course, right? We talk about these things in human resources all the time. Um, but it's having that empathy and that yeah. that ability to understand at some level. Yeah, I think that's right. We, uh, you're talking about empathy, right? Which is odd because that word keeps coming up. It came up earlier today on something we were we were doing. It came up mm-hmm. at HR Tech when I was uh, guesting on a podcast and uh, with Unum, our friends at Unum, and they asked me what my word of the year was for 2024. And I said empathy, right? And that was in the context of mm-hmm. thinking about really advanced technologies and how they're influencing and changing work and how it's important to not let technology kind of overrun, right? Some of the things we're doing um, in workplaces as humans. But yeah, I think that that part of it is is really good. It's a theme in the movie that's maybe undersold and maybe does require that second watch to to pick up on a little bit. I, I do think that uh, despite knowing about a lot of these challenges and access to opportunity and, and um, expectations being really different for women and men, I think the movie makes a really good point about that, both in a workplace context as well as a societal context, right? That women are asked to kind of be all things at all times and just the right amount of each kind of characteristic or trait. Otherwise, they get uh, maybe chastised for being like like in a workplace context, right? We might talk about leadership, right? It's been pretty well documented and understood that a woman leader, if, if she's a strong, tough leader, often is called, you know, bossy or mean or even worse words than that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and right. maybe undermined a little bit if she's really, really tough. Whereas those same traits in a male leader, right, are generally speaking, 
respected, they're looked up to, they're 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 feted, right? As, oh, right. what a what a powerful, tough leader, what a strong leader that we need for these times, right? And it's it's unfair. It's a double standard, but it's been really, really difficult. And the movie does a good job of highlighting this. And probably like the movies like this often have like that Oscar nomination or Oscar winning speech right. or scene in them. And this movie <laughs> certainly does, right? When does. when the, the the human person, the human main human character, America Ferrara's character, Gloria. gives her speech, Gloria, about mm-hmm. you know what women are expected to do. And it's a great scene. And it's a great speech and probably will win her an Oscar nomination, if not an award. But uh, it, I, I say this in the workplace context, you are a woman leader, woman executive, many mm-hmm. different roles, et cetera. Does that resonate with you at all? It does. And while it's frustrating when you think of it in that way, what I've told young women who have worked for me in the past, who have thoughts of becoming a leader themselves, it's like, we are women, we we don't want to be men. That's not the right answer, right? I don't have to approach leadership in the same way to be seen as a strong female leader. I think that's where sometimes we get a little sidetracked because when you think about you mentioned pay equity earlier and just equity in general, it doesn't mean that everyone has to do it the same way and go about it through the same steps or processes, right? Sometimes it's okay to approach leadership with more grace and finesse and you can get just as much accomplished and be seen as just as much of a great leader if you do it that way. So I think I would just say that Females need to think about the specific situation they're in, the specific work culture they're in, and how they want to be seen. Just because a boss appears tough also does not mean they are. I worked many years as people who listen to the show probably know at um, a large professional services firm, and there were predominantly male partners. And I was very young, my 20s, and I learned pretty early on that the men who seemed the most confident, right, the, I'm like air quotes, the the best leaders, the most dramatic, um, strong leaders, also had a very normal, natural insecurity about them. And they just hit it really well. And I think if we just remember, we're all human, we're here to try and, and make businesses better. We spend so much time at work that if we can just bring your own unique skills and approach to the role, whatever role you're in, that that's enough. And you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do it the way somebody else did it. Um, I would say, I definitely am not going to read the speech that, you know, Gloria's character gives in the movie, but I would say this, whether you've seen the movie or not, please go like go out on YouTube and find the speech, right? It's there. Um, But it talks about, you know, women have to be all these things but not ask for it they have to you know be able to to fill all these roles and i i wondered when i got to the end of it um the first time my first thought was oh my gosh i want to run to the store and buy my daughter a barbie and my niece a barbie right and so they're college students and one of them is studying journalism and and you know, PR and media, that sort of thing. And the other one's in hospitality. Now there are Barbies that are very close to those. There's like a, a like a reporter journalist Barbie. Okay. And there are, you know, are several hospitality re- related Barbies, right? That own bake shops or coffee shops or whatever. And 
I go to Target and I'm standing in, in the Barbie aisle looking at all these career type Barbies. And I pick up both of those Barbies and I'm going to buy it. And then it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, no, if I do that, I'm actually perpetuating kind of the, what I view as the negative side of, of the Barbie message, which is putting a woman in a box. And my biggest takeaway from this whole Barbie movie experience is I don't want to put the next generation of women in a box. And I instead bought them kind of the most generic plain Barbies that you could find. Okay. And I gave it to them with the message that I'm not buying you a career Barbie like I would have received when I was young because I want you to imagine a world where the job that you are going to have, even though you're in college right now for a specific thing, the job you're going to have doesn't exist. And so I'm going to give you the most generic Barbie possible because you can truly be anything you want to be. And that might be like in the movie, that might be depression Barbie occasionally, Mm -hmm. right? We're learning. You and I have had many conversations on the show and with, you know, companies about this. People are talking about mental health more than ever before. That wasn't a thing talked about in the seventies when we were growing up, or at least not in a positive way. Well, and, and well, not at work either. Right. Certainly. No. Yeah. No. And so now I would just say that, you know, some of the things that might seem a little funny in the movie that that should be what Barbie is Barbie or any sort of, of doll or toy we, we give to our children to play with. It should show you that, yeah, Barbie can have a career, but Barbie also has to potentially take care of children and probably need, we need elderly Barbie now. Like where's elderly Barbie? Cause my Barbie would be taking care of elderly Barbie right now. And, yeah. uh, you know, and some days it's tough. And yeah, you, you, you mentioned caregiving there, Trish. And there was one other um, adjacent topic I wanted to bring up at least quickly on today's show when we're talking about the Barbie movie. And it's certainly not directly related to the Barbie movie, but it's, it's uh, thematically uh, interesting to me. And it's been in the news, which is a couple of weeks ago, the Nobel Prize in Economics was awarded to Claudia Golden, who's a professor uh, at Harvard. And uh, her work for many years has um, centered on pay equity, gender pay equity specifically. And Mm -hmm. she's done a ton of research on the issue. And uh, while I can't distill it all into like a a 30-second summary, one of her uh, primary conclusions is something that's probably um, uh, obvious to men, those of us of career uh, people, right, who've had gone through this, is um, uh, women's careers and therefore often their pay, right, and their career prospects really divert from men's once um, they start having children, once, fam- you know, once children get into the equation. The main reason, right, as we know, is the disparity in home caregiving responsibilities that have historically and still today are shouldered by women, right? In typical, right. In, in most households. And that's a very difficult thing to crack. And certainly uh, on broad strokes, it's, um, you could even argue it's out of the the realm of what an organization, any organization can do uh, to, to, to combat, right? It's a very much a specific thing that happens in, in people's lives. But nonetheless, it happens and it happens a lot. And it's very difficult to overcome. The data is pretty clear about what happens to the 
trajectory of many women's careers once they either careers get interrupted or if they don't get interrupted, they get they have to step back somewhat. They can't work as many hours. They can't take as difficult projects. They can't perhaps travel for business, right? Because they they've got more responsibility at home than say a partner who's often male, not always, but often male, who's also working, but again, are in our society certainly, and probably many others around the world too, the division of outside of work kinds of labor and responsibilities is pretty unequal. And um, that's hard to under, it's hard to get your hands around, right? Like what to do about that, but that doesn't make it less true. And so I think the reason I bring that up though, was obviously a Nobel prize in economics. Um, honestly, one of the few talked about the fortune 500 CEOs and the senators and all that very few economists, female economists have actually won the Nobel prize. She's the only one who's won it as an individual. A couple of wow. other female economists have won with other economists who are males. Um, it, it's, it's important to, to think this on top of say a cultural phenomenon, like the Barbie movie has put these issues. They, they have never had as much attention probably as they have right now. And so my question is really not directly to you say, but more rhetorical question is, will we finally start seeing some meaningful progress on some of these things or 20 years from now we'll be kind of, Oh, there's 27 senators now that are female instead of 25. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, no, I think we will see progress. And here's why that phenomenon you're talking about is still fairly young in the, in the grand scheme of, you know, humankind. Right. So again, like many of my peers, including myself had mothers that were still stay at home. They didn't have a job outside of the home. And so while we were being fed these messages in the seventies and eighties from all sides about, we should be able to go into the workplace and burn our bras and do the things right. But we didn't have an example at home, like no, no shame on our mothers at all or our fathers, but they didn't experience that. They didn't even know how to instruct us how to ask for more money. Right. They didn't instruct us on how to balance uh, a household and being a working woman, right? Because they had, they just had never done it. So I, I don't want to, you know, sort of pound on the moms that came and the women that came before us, but they just didn't know how to teach us. And so it is a little bit, if you are a child of the seventies and eighties, I think, especially who's in the workforce right now, it's our, it's our job to sort of figure these things out. And again, as we're bringing up the generations that come after us, we're teaching them to approach it differently because they're watching us juggle and, you know, sort of flex our time and make really tough choices. I don't know. Look, whoever stays in the workforce and if, if someone stays home with a child, you're probably going, that's a choice. You're probably going to make a little bit less for a while because you're, you're out of the workforce maybe for a number of years, right? Is it fair and equitable for you to make the exact same Maybe, maybe not, right? It just depends. But I love that we're talking about it. I love that it's more common. Um, one of the things in that speech we've talked about, I, I have written down here that there's a line I like, um, she says, you have to have money, but you can't ask for money. <laughs> you have to be a boss, but you can't be mean, right? Yeah. Um, that's, it's so interesting that yet the the women that are in the workforce right now 
we've been taught that we've been and, and really people i'm not even just gonna say women people we were we were talking about this the other day with a, a you know on a gen z show we were doing where we were taught you go into the workforce and you keep your mouth shut and your head down and you just work hard and good things come to people that work hard so we're trying to train and teach gen z to be more vocal and that it's okay to ask you know in a very respectful way for what you would like in life right whether that's opportunity money whatever the case may be so that's, that's i love that the are, movie brought it up those are other examples though trish where data has shown pretty consistently as well that women are less likely to negotiate for salaries or higher salaries on job offers they are less likely to apply for a job where they don't meet every single listed job qualification but maybe they that's meet true. some of them whereas men They'll throw their hat in the ring regardless. Men will are more likely to ask for more money or negotiate for better terms and conditions, right? And again, these are big, heavy questions that's a little bit beyond the scope of a movie to to at least um, uh, talk about solutions to them. But they're they're all out there, right? And they all contribute to some of the things that we see, some of these outcomes that we've talked about earlier, where only ten percent of the Fortune 500 CEOs are women, and only 25% of our senators are women and, and just pick whatever domain you want to pick, right? It, mm -hmm. It's, uh, this isn't too long. I won't say the name of the company. I don't want to call them out, but I've told the story a couple of times. So I apologize if you're hearing it for the hundredth time, but I remember I was, I was working in uh, as consult software consulting. We had a huge, huge client, like a big, big company, like a fortune 500 type company, right? We had mm -hmm. to go to a meeting in their, in their offices at their headquarters. And it was, Company name XYZ Tower was the name of the building, right? It was their building, this big tower. Mm -hmm. We go up to the top floor of it, right? Where the the boardroom was going to be because it was a big heavy meeting where they were going to maybe invest like millions of dollars in buying our stuff, right? So it was a long hallway. Uh, once we got off the elevator to walk to where this boardroom was and in the uh, this long hallway, it was kind of like the corporate um, hall of fame, right? Various awards and trophies and you know, the best employer of the year trophies, those kinds of things, right? We're in this hallway. Mm -hmm. and, and and in this long hallway, starting at the beginning, this company had been around a really long time, call it 150 years, were portraits or like paintings of every CEO in the company's history from its founding up until the present time. This was a few years ago. So mm -hmm. 150 years of portraits. So how many people is that going to be? I don't know. A dozen. I don't remember how many there were, but call it call it that. And each portrait was, you know, an old white guy, one after right. the other, gray haired even, right? Most of them, if not bald, uh, and you know, whatever, the bald guys need love too, but <laughs> it was one after the other, after the other, after the other, all the way to the end. Now, maybe they've made some changes subsequent to this. I don't know. But I remember turning to my colleague who I was walking down the the, the hallway with, and I, I said to him something like, this hallway should be renamed like great moments in the history of old white guys. Right. Because that's how mm -hmm. it felt. Right. And so yeah. there's still so much of that around. Right. And mm -hmm. um, it's frustrating, I guess, even to me, who uh, is, is uh, I'm in that privileged group. Right. And, and and so I can't say I've been really impacted by any of this, but it's still frustrating. Right. In a way. I I like that you took notice of that because that was obviously when you were a younger man and maybe didn't have to take notice of such thing. But you're right. I think if you're in an organization where the, you see that the leaders have all looked a certain way, and that's not just being male, like, you know, could be your your race, ethnicity, whatever. And 
you just don't feel like you have that final step as an opportunity. And that doesn't mean you don't, but it does send a little bit of a subliminal message to you that, hey, when you get to this level, if you don't look like us, you probably won't be at this level, right? Or maybe you're going to be a token person at that level. But I will say this. I mean, we just came off of HR tech and many different, um, you know, vendor events. And one of the things that I appreciate, at least in our industry, is that it is top of mind. Um, I would say this, every vendor that I have talked with uh, finds it important to share how they're specifically trying to move the needle in terms of women in leadership, um, people of color in leadership, people having voices, uh, you know, LGBTQ plus having voices. I mean, so I do think, again, I think that the needle is moving and it will pick up pace as the generations come along, but we have to stay on it. You know, we have to talk about it and kudos to a movie like Barbie that seems very superficial for actually having so many layers to it to make us think about these things enough to even be able to talk about it in a workplace movie hall of fame way. For sure. I mean, and I think the fact that so many people saw this movie worldwide, mm-hmm. but certainly here in America, $1.38 billion, right? Biggest yeah. movie of the year. We'll probably get some uh, Oscar nominations as well. So there'll be Absolutely. another kind of cycle of, of, of uh, publicity around the movie. I watched it again myself. Now I did it you know, for this podcast, I probably, I might've watched it again anyway, but um, I think that's important that the movie was such a success, right? Mm -hmm. Because that just means the messages and the themes that we're talking about resonated with enough people that, I mean, because we've heard stories of people going back two, three times Mm -hmm. to see the movie or the kind, this was the kind of movie where um, a person might see it and then say, go to their friends or go to their daughters or go to their husbands or boyfriends or and say you must go see this movie not many movies reach that level of kind of public uh consciousness where people are are going back right and specifically to take someone else with them who they feel needs to hear this and see this yeah i'm glad you said that and especially the part about maybe they're you know the men in their lives because i felt like there were there were certain times where um, the characters say things that's like, as a woman, sometimes you feel like you're banging your head against the brick wall, that why can't a man in my life, whether it's a father, an uncle, a brother, who I write, a son, understand what we go through. And I just felt like there were some characters that really put it eloquently, but in a less maybe, I don't say threatening way, but just a less in your face kind of way to truly explain how through actions, how this happens. And yeah, I don't think women are asking for special treatment, but we do wanna be considered for opportunities. And we do want to feel like you don't have to do it all because I will say for women of my age, we still feel that way. We feel like we have to have a career and you have to be able to run a household still and do all the things and you know, to be that perfect person. So I, I feel like it kind of gave me permission to like I said, embrace depressed Barbie once in a while. No, I mean, like, give myself a break, right? Give myself a little break every now and then and not feel like everything has to be perfect like it was at the beginning of the movie, right? I will say one thing. I don't know if you caught this. I caught this 
because again, you know, I was born in 1970 and um, I think both of the dolls were actually made before them, but two dolls made an appearance and they, they do quickly like dismiss it. Like they were discontinued by Mattel. One was the pregnant Barbie, right? Mm, and the that, yeah. other one, the other one was called Midge and it was Barbie's little sister who still exists, but they've changed her. She's like a little girl now. But when I had her, I'm sorry, I said Midge, Skipper, Skipper, those the okay. sister. Um, she was a teenager and I had the doll. I, I probably still do. I need to find her. But like, so she was like a little girl, like, you know, like a 10 year old. And then you would twist her arm and she would get taller and her boobs would pop out. What? That's, yes. All right. I don't she know hit puberty. I have no now comment. Now see, now listen, and they discontinued this doll. But they like, should have. So That's to horrible. me, no, like think about this. So what they did was I feel like Mattel was even making steps in the 60s and 70s of like, hey, this is reality. People do have babies. People do go through puberty. Um, it, and then all of a sudden they took it away. Like, no, Barbie is just fully formed, you know? And so I just feel like that was maybe a missed opportunity to to keep things like that for young girls to see like, oh, that's a normal part of life. You just, you do have puberty and you do have babies and you do have, you know, whatever. So I don't know. I hope they bring back some dolls with a little more uh, realism. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I think just uh, kind of wrapping up a little of my thoughts on this, I, I think while the movie is kind of fantastical and fun and there's some big song and dance numbers, right. Oh, yeah. That are interspersed throughout it, which are interesting and kind of fun. But um, the, if, if the movie does nothing else, then put these messages, these themes, and at least kind of in stark terms, right? Or what the world looks like, the, how the real world looks differently than the Barbie world based mm -hmm. on kind of the, the power imbalance across genders. If does nothing else than put that message in front of millions and millions of people, I think it's going to have positive uh, impact overall, right? And to come, let's hope that, right? Uh, uh, and the last thing I want to say before I, I let you kind of give us your maybe summarize summarize thoughts on this is my favorite quote in the movie is um uh when ken is in the real world and he shows up at some nondescript office building and he wants to get a job he thinks he mm -hmm. could just get a powerful job because he's a male yeah and the corporate man won't hire him you know because he needs an mba or a phd or whatever and ken says you guys aren't doing patriarchy very well and and the corporate guy says we're actually doing patriarchy very well we're just better at hiding it and to me, that was like one of the killer, maybe maybe my favorite line of the entire movie, right? Because it's kind of white, you know, my story about the white man mm -hmm. hall of fame in the in the in the in, in the corporate tower and and the statistics we have about CEOs and leaders in different fields. Almost every organization out there, Trish, is going to say the right thing when it comes to gender equality and gender balance and providing opportunities, not just to women, but to, to other folks, like you mentioned earlier, everyone's going to say the right thing. Sure. But yet here we are still right with only 10% of fortune 500 CEOs, women and women making 82 cents for every dollar men make right still. So, right. so people are still doing patriarchy very well. They are, and they are good at hiding it. I thought that was a killer line. I love that that was sort of the line you're using to summarize it because obviously you and I don't talk and, and share notes before we record these and I'm going to hold it up for you, but anyone listening, 
the last line that I wanted to close with is the exact same quote. Nice, nice. So, but look, in to me, that's very interesting because it shows that we both found sort of the same thing important, right? And and that's that shows progress, right? The fact that we both feel like that's something that we can, you know, hopefully contribute to having movement on a little less hiding of uh of celebration of the patriarchy right and just more yeah. equality and again you and i have worked on a lot of things over the course of a year and i think us being examples um in terms of where we feel like we can have an impact and we're showing our children that and, that, and that's really the message for me from this movie is you know if you haven't seen it you're male female doesn't matter take your children take your friends take your parents you can someone. get it. It's on Amazon Prime right now. You can actually buy it. It was like it, it, you could buy it for less than it takes two people to actually go to the movies now. It's like $17 or something to buy this movie. That's true. The price has come down since last month so, when it first went onto streaming because it was $29 to buy it. I will say this though, I saw, don't quote me on when, but I, I did see that HBO Max is going to start having it in November. So if you haven't seen it, Maybe just hold on for a few more weeks. And uh, if you have HBO Max, just watch it when it comes on on there. But yeah, I mean, I think, look, it's it's a good, it's a fun movie. It's really, we haven't even talked about really that the acting was actually really good. Margot Robbie, what a beautiful woman who's just funny and talented and gosh, emotional. She did a great job. America Ferreira, you mentioned, Ryan Gosling. I mean, they were all really good in their roles and um, it's it's funny and colorful and lots of good music and, and yeah. not super long, right? We do the Oscar show every year when some of those movies yeah. clock in about three hours. This one oh is sub two, sub two hours. It's a good watch, uh, a good rewatch yeah. as well. So I was glad exactly. to, ta I'm glad we did this. I was glad to rewatch the movie. And I think since it was such an important movie, both from a cultural standpoint and a popularity standpoint, as well as thematic standpoint, it made sense not to wait and do do a podcast about it. So I'm glad we were able to squeeze this in. So anyway, I thought it was great. I hope uh, I hope folks listening thought the same. Would love to get your thoughts on it. And uh, yeah, that's it for the Workplace Movie Hall of Fame show, I think, Trish. Sounds good. This was a fun one. I can't wait to hear what our next one will be. I think we need to go something a little more old school, though. Yeah, let's dip into the archive a little bit and we'll yeah, think about that. that and maybe do something closer to the holidays, I think will be great. I don't think we've done a workplace like holiday movie, have we? Yeah, we'd have to think Ooh. about that. There is a treasure trove of workplace mm. kind of Hallmark movies now. That Can we Christmas do a Hallmark related. movie? Could we do? Are, are any of those popular enough though that normal people would know them though? Right? Because well, so I think so because yes, people watch the Hallmark movies. So I will say this: if you're listening to the show, please shoot us an email or a tweet or something and let us know like what Hallmark movie should we even consider. That sounds good. All right, Trish. You're this wincing. Super fun. I, <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm a, I watched a couple of those every year. Uh, there was one where, uh, it doesn't matter. I will think about it. They're but, all um, the same. Small town the girl same. goes back home and falls in love with small or town Or the guy, big right? city girl comes back home and helps the small town businessman because his business is struggling. Yes, and, by like baking pies or something. Yeah. At a fair, like, I, carnival. I, I, I never thought about marketing my business, hmm, you know, and she helps know, them right? figure it out. Right? So, uh, 
All right, good stuff. Uh, thanks to our friends at Paychecks, of course. I know that uh, they love the Workplace Movie Hall of Fame. They've told us that in the past, but uh, and I think people do like it as well. So this was super fun, Trish. Thanks for taking some time today, and thanks everybody for listening to uh, At Work in America and uh, get all the archives at hrhappyhour.net or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time, and bye for now. Bye.